Welcome to Smart Parent Successful Students Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I run a tutoring company for K through 12 students who need help with reading, math, writing, study skills, ACT, SAT, prep, and more. My tutors work both virtually and in person. We specialize in really getting to know your kids and helping them thrive. I was a teacher and leader in a Georgia school system for 25 years. I saw what worked and what didn't. And there are definitely some gaps that teachers can't touch, which is why our tutors are so important. Teachers can only do so much. I'm here to bridge that gap between parents and teachers to help your kids become successful in school and beyond. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our Smart Parents Successful Students podcast. And I have another guest today. Her name is Tina Engberg. Welcome, Tina, to our show. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me. Well, I am so excited that you are here to represent Decoding Dyslexia of Georgia. I've been following you guys for quite a while, and being a former 504 chair myself, I was seeing more and more children, you know, being diagnosed with dyslexia. And I know you know this quite a bit. (laughs) Um, So I am so happy that we have such a strong group in Georgia. And I've been to the state capitol with you guys. You don't know this yet. (laughs) And I'm I'm excited that you're a state leader for uh, dyslexia. And um, I just wanted to read your bio real quick so that the audience can get to know you. And uh, Tina is currently the state leader of Decoding Dyslexia Georgia. She is actively involved in the legislative side of the DDGA work and is currently working to ensure that the parent voice is heard as the elements of SB 48 are implemented by the Department of Education and the state board. And I'm sure she'll talk about that for those of you that don't know about SB 48, it's very important. Uh, They've done a lot of work. I'm excited about that. Tina has been actively involved in dyslexia advocacy since her son, a profound dyslexic now in 10th grade, was diagnosed in kindergarten. She is keenly interested in the science of reading, effective educational interventions, and the mental health issues that surround dyslexia. A native of Atlanta, just like me, Tina is a graduate of Bates College in Lewiston, M.E. Maine. (laughs) That I am. (laughs) Me. It says me. (laughs) So, uh, again, welcome. I am so excited that you guys have formed this group. I've been actually to a couple of your meetings. You probably, I don't know if I've met you, but your name somehow popped up and it grabbed my attention, something you posted. And I'm like, let me reach out to her and see if she'll do an interview. And here you are. (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) Thank you very much. Um, so tell us, what was your journey? I, I know you, I've kind of said a little bit of your journey, I think, uh, in the bio, but what was your journey that you took to get to where you are today as a state leader? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I'll roll it back to when my son was in preschool and we, he failed a couple of screenings that our preschool offered with the speech language pathologist. Mm-hmm. So we knew very early on that there were concerns and he also had some articulation issues. So I took him up to our local elementary school under the child find mandate to see whether or not he qualified for speech and language services. And unfortunately he did not, 
but um, he entered kindergarten and within three weeks, I knew that we were headed down a very difficult road um, because it, it was almost as if someone had unplugged my beautiful boy's battery and he was immediately drained out. Um, fast forward a couple of years, we Decoding Dyslexia Georgia's first branch was started by um, Colleen Bagurastain. And I want to say it's been eight years now. I would need to look at a calendar to refresh my memory. But one of the first things, the first interaction that I had with, the, with them was down at Georgia Tech. And they had an outreach event where parents went into an auditorium and met with a mentor from eye to eye which is an organization that is national in scope, but has branches at universities around the country. Mm -hmm. And they provide mentorship to middle school students with learning disabilities. And it was founded by David Flink, who is an Atlanta native. And the kids went into the kids club activity that Georgia Tech offers on Saturdays. Um, so the kids had that opportunity. The parents were listening to the eye to eye mentor, as well as listening to Liz Persaud, who is um, at Tools for Life, which is an assistive technology group that is operates out of Georgia Tech and is a really amazing resource for families across the state of Georgia related to assistive technology for all disabilities. Oh, but, wow. but they also have really great information on assistive technology that is available for students with dyslexia and dysgraphia. Wow, that's awesome. Wow, I didn't even know that. That's something new to me. Exactly. So from there, I started um, volunteering for events and um, wound up helping DDGA host the Decoding Dyslexia booth at the 2017 IDA conference, which was held here in Atlanta in November of that year. Mm. And that's when leading into 2018, that was when the Senate study committee got formed and I started attending those Senate meetings on dyslexia and then it rolled into a brand new legislative session at the same time that Governor Kemp was elected. We run on a two-year legislative cycle. So every two years, we get fresh faces under the gold dome. Mm. And every four years, we get a governor or a reelected governor. Um, so leading into 2018, early 2019, when the dyslexia bill known as SB 48 was being drafted. We were very much involved in that. And I had a group of parents that were coming down to the Capitol with me to speak to legislators and meet with those who were responsible for drafting the bill. And um, also leading groups of parents to sit in the gallery on the days that the bill was being voted on. And um, there was a really great group of families that were coming in from all over the state at the signing in May of 2017. And then uh, it occurred to me 
that we were needing to pay better attention to and have a deeper understanding of how the bill was going to be rolled out because it's an unusually written bill in that it has a lot of deliverable dates and a lot of different, so it kind of looks like an octopus if you were to put that in your head. So it's got a lot of different elements that needed to be attending to. Uh -huh. So I started going to the state board meetings, uh, state board of education meetings in um, June of 2019 and started meeting people. And since then it really has snowballed because there are people within who go to those meetings within our state educational system who I've gotten to know and talk to about dyslexia, but also start to have that conversation about how reading instruction happens in classrooms in tier one. Because as we know, um, tier one, there are a lot of dyslexics in the tier one general education setting. They have not been identified, but they are struggling and they may not be caught by the RTI MTSS until much mm. later in their careers, third grade, fourth grade. I was sitting uh, this weekend next to someone in my neighborhood who I hadn't seen in a while because my child doesn't go to school with her kids any longer. And she said, you know, so-and-so got diagnosed with dyslexia in fifth grade. And he's doing fine now with 504 supports and outside mm -hmm. tutoring to get him up to speed. But there isn't a lot to be done for students in middle schools and high schools because that's not where the bulk of reading instruction takes place. Mm. So that's true. That's, <laughs> that's kind of where we are. We, we have had last year's Dyslexia Day at the Capitol. Um, we had to be virtual. And mm. so we had, we had to create an online event that kind of felt like uh, our virtual event and it worked out okay. We had a date shift um, and then we're getting ready for Dyslexia Day 2022 down at the Capitol. And if our fingers are crossed and the stars are aligned, we will be down there with yeah. <laughs> kids and families and you know, it would be great if we could just get back to where we were before, because right. so much of the work that we do is predicated on the relationships that families have with their legislative, with their legislators, mm -hmm. their legislative, their elected officials at the school board, at their local school board, um, within, right. within their community. So their senator and their representative. And if you're talking about Georgia, you're talking about places that have pretty broad geographies with low population centers. So there are families out there who really do have a great relationship with their legislators because that is their connection to what's going on in Atlanta if they're mm -hmm. in South, South or Middle Georgia. And mm -hmm. the, those, those are the people who tie back to what's going on for them in, in their community. That's true. Yeah. In rural Georgia. And, yep. That's true. So when's that capital day? Have y'all set the, the, so dyslexia we, we, day? Uh, dyslexia day at the Capitol, but dyslexia we, day at the Capitol. we have, 
we have tentatively fingers crossed toes crossed set february 8th as okay. the date and uh it's a tuesday which works well because committee meetings for legislators tend to be on mondays and wednesdays and so you try and schedule it so that the day is accessible for the legislators you know mm -hmm. they're they're in session only 40 working days per per year and it starts in early january and works it works its way to what is known as signy die and signy die happens usually the end of march very early april and then the legislators go back to their communities and you can always reach them in the off season um but to have face-to-face -face interactions with the people who do live in places further away, you know, that I will say Zoom has been very good in that regard because yeah. you can set up a meeting with somebody and have a face-to-face -face meeting with that person. Sure. And uh, yes, that's what I recommend. I recommend parents ask your legislators for a meeting to discuss because Dyslexia and educational issues are just one thing that's on the radar of a legislator. They've got to know a lot about a lot of things right. and, and they may not know a lot about dyslexia and reading disabilities unless, of course, they have been personally affected by it. And then mm -hmm. game on, they're happy to talk to you. Right. But it's it's really important to set the stage where you are in a position to help your legislator understand the issue and how it affects your family because these people do have an incentive to want to work with you because they want to continue representing you right that's right and, and they need to hear from the parents because like you said unless they're directly impacted themselves they don't know <laughs> right, right. So um, how can parents focus on the social emotional effects of dyslexia? So there's a lot out there. There part of part of my personal journey has been finding connection with people who are in a similar situation. And I have to say that's one of the more disheartening things about how my son's story transpired in elementary school was because our principal did not um she's a whole language enthusiast she's now retired i will not name names um, <laughs> but she she didn't believe that dyslexia existed so when i and i was involved in pta i wasn't on the board or anything but i was deeply involved in the activities that the pta put on in our elementary school mm -hmm. so i knew all the people and once my son was diagnosed and we were really starting to find ourselves in the weeds i looked around and i, I couldn't find the people i knew that there was one little boy who sat with him in his next to him at his table in kindergarten and having been a center parent for many 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 times that year i immediately spotted that this child had an incredible gift for art and none for reading mm -hmm. um, and they pulled him immediately um, he left the 
public school system after kindergarten and yeah. went to a school at a remediation school. And um, I have, I've learned that he's in a private high school now because these kids are now in 10th grade. I mean, it's crazy that 10, right. 10 years have gone by very quickly. Um, but the thing of it is, is that I looked around and I could not find parents similar to myself. Now, there is that whole FERPA, FERPA being mm -hmm. the privacy side right. of special education, which makes it necessarily difficult for parents to find one another, find one another. Mm. But, but um, I had friends with slightly older children who I knew were in special education, who were willing to meet with me around my dining table. And we literally took out a piece of paper and pencil and wrote down the names among the six of us of every single family that we knew who mm. was who was impacted by some things that were going on in the small group setting. Um, the principal had allowed the small group setting to, to exceed the state mandated um, yeah. numbers. Mm -hmm. And so then we had to lobby to get a paraprofessional put in place mm. um, to help with the headcount in the classroom. Mm. And it was intentional. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it was intentional on the principal's part to do what she did because there were parents that she didn't want around anymore. And she was looking for a way for them to come after her and find their way to another school. Hmm. So it, where I live, there tends to be a pretty strong inclination to seek out private remediation in a private school setting. And then the, oftentimes those kids will go to smaller private schools for the remainder of their education. Some do make their way back to public school um, with support. Um, but I recognized immediately that when I was talking to people, they didn't know what I was talking about when I was talking about learning disabilities. Um, and they were, you know, they either had a kid who was not in such bad shape that some outside tutoring was going to solve the problem mm. and then and then offer up a 504 um, to the student. But by and large, the parents just vacate. And, mm. and that's unfortunate because it takes the school off the hook for serving those students. Mm. Yeah, I, I know there's always this fine line between is it a 504 plan or is it an IEP for dyslexia since I used to be a 504 chair. I know they always want to start. School systems are always going to start with a 504. <laughs> um, it's just how it goes <laughs> without me saying too much about that. <laughs> but then that's up to the parent to stay on top of that. If those accommodations are not being met or it doesn't help your child, then I would definitely encourage parents to go after a, an IEP. Yeah, um, I'll say that much. A special message from Dynamis Learning Academy. Daniel received 20 hours of ACT prep from Dynamis Learning Academy. He also did a little prep himself beforehand. 
but found he was more accountable to his ACT prep tutor when he had him. His mom wanted him to increase his score by six points on the ACT, which he did once he worked diligently with Dynamis Learning Academy. Why allow your child to struggle in prepping for an exam such as this? Reach out and have a qualified ACT prep tutor help your child reach his potential and score high on the ACT. We can be reached at 770-282-9931. Thank you. Back to the social emotional learning part. Um, when finding community is really important and that's one of the things that we've been very fortunate to have parents step up and create spa spaces for families um, on Facebook in particular, um, yeah. to be able to have those discussions about school and the frustrations and, and seek out what sorts of things you can do. But, you know, my child fell apart quite early and he developed obsessive compulsive disorder in the first grade. And that kind of set him apart because that was then seen as being behavioral. Mm. And we did not, I couldn't get proper help for that until he was in the seventh grade. So mm. it went on for years that he was having real serious emotional difficulty that translated into not, you know, it just made the education portion of it that much harder. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I'm, I am fortunate in that I love reading and I am a good reader. And um, although I do have ADHD and I do have dysgraphia, I have done a lot of research and reading about all of the social emotional side of it. And um, it's not easy to navigate. And it really is, it's hard to get great, uh, build a great, I should say, I put it, put it in terms of building a great team to help you mm -hmm. um, with the things that you need in order to be a successful parent to a child who has a learning disability, because it's hard. It's hard for mm -hmm. them. They got off the bus and they are, they're either raging or they're so happy to see you because it's so stressful for them. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm sure social media has actually helped parents connect too, right? And make that community Absol happen. Absolutely. Um, social media. And maybe during COVID there. too, more and more people were online and more people were looking for things. Right, <laughs> right. Well, so the thing, about, the thing about COVID is that it brought to light for a lot of families the difficulty that their student was actually having in real time navigating and negotiating school. Um, on Twitter, there's a, an amazing person named, whose handle name is Berenchuda Montoya. And she is a scientist and she created some videos last year called the Purple Challenge, which talked about her daughter, what she was witnessing as her daughter was doing 
reading instruction as a first grader online using a very popular balanced literacy curriculum. And this mom was appalled by what she saw. And so now she's become a reading activist because of what she has seen. Um, and, and then there, there are families who came away from COVID going, oh my gosh, I mean, my, my child isn't capable of actually reading. Like the veneer came off of, yeah. of reading problems. And so yeah. there, there is unfortunately a backlog of families seeking identification under the child find mandate of IDEA, um, special education services for their student. Um, that is a really big problem. There are a lot of families that are trying to seek out independent evaluations for their student. And they're, right now. that is hard right now because there are a lot of families who are, you know, realizing, yeah, realizing that all the psych psychologists who do the testing are incredibly backlogged. Mm, yeah. That's true. I, I'm hearing it. <laughs> so how can um, parents be their child's cheerleader at school? So at school, it's kind of hard to be the cheerleader, but one of the things that you can do for the, the cheap, spend $5 and become a member of your school's PTA. Mm. If you have time and interest, please consider joining your principal's advisory cabinet because every single school is obligated to have um, parents and right. community members work with the principal to kind of shepherd the school's goals. And as it's important that outside voices are heard by our educational leaders, because um, uh, as a parent who is advocating at a different level than I was back then, um, school leadership is really important in helping your student get what they need. And if you have an opportunity to spend time um, serving your community as an advisory board member, I really do recommend it. It wasn't something that I wound up doing. Our original principal kept that um, kind of on the DL and didn't post meeting notes or anything. So yeah. you, didn't, you didn't really know that that was going on, but now I do know that it's going on and every school is obligated to have one. That's true. It's a non-negotiable. That's true, that's correct. Um, and then, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to become a room parent on a number of occasions across my kids' nine years in, in elementary school. That's a great way to get a bird's eye view of what's going on. Um, there are other ways that you can be your child's cheerleader by recognizing their strengths and what the things that they are good at and making sure that everyone who is around your child knows what those strengths are and help devise a way to celebrate those strengths. Mm -hmm. Um, my son had a wonderful pair of uh, fifth grade teachers. And in fact, it was this time of year because every year they do a uh, turkey 
project where you have you it's I don't really know how to describe it, but the, the assignment is, is to decorate your turkey, but your turkey's in hiding because your turkey doesn't want to get put on the table. Mm. So my elder son uh, created a story about his turkey being in the Middle East and being hidden. It was really very funny. And then the, the, next three years later, when my younger son hit fifth grade, he said, you know, he said in the car, I was going over the assignment with him. Um, he said, you know, can you stop by the Dollar Tree and get 10 balloons for my turkey? And I said, <laughs> sure, sure, I can do that. The morning of the assignment, I can run up to the Dollar Tree and go get your 10 balloons. Tell me more about what you want to do. And he said, my turkey is going to make a getaway in balloons. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he decorated the he decorated the turkey and he stuck, he stuck the turkey inside of the 10 balloons in fact i drove him to school that day because he needed the balloons um and he put the turkey inside the balloons and he got 100 on the assignment because <laughs> and, and he blew everybody away because it was such a creative way to think about the project that is um, creative. <laughs> where, whereas everybody else's turkey was static or, <laughs> you know, doing something. His, tur his turkey was active and, you know, clearly very funny. And, and, you know, I was willing, I was willing to help him go the extra mile to go get the balloons because his idea was just so good. And that is one of the things that kids with dyslexia, they, they tend to be really thoughtful, empathetic, and creative souls. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that, unfortunately, is because of what they go through when they're in school. Um, because school is often so difficult for them that they find solace and joy in other things beyond school. And, mm -hmm. and the way you can kind of see that is that as adults, there are a lot of adults who happen to be dyslexic who are really exemplary at their craft and what they do. And, um, you know, it's because they were, they were challenged to be really good at ice skating. I'm thinking mm -hmm. of um, Meryl, I can't remember her last name, but she's an Olympic ice skater. Um, there is there are several hockey players who, professional hockey players who have dyslexia, um, a few football players at the NFL level, um, mm -hmm. a few professional baseball players. So sprinkled throughout all of the constellation of- um, Meryl Davis, by the way. Meryl Davis, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> sprinkled throughout the constellation of things that people can be at a, can be exemplary at um, students with dyslexia can be those things um, provided their parents really do take an opportunity to encourage that and 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 don't hold that over a child like don't say 
you can't do that because you haven't done this. Mm-hmm. You need to fit. You need to figure out a way to get this done and that because it's it's hard to be excited about something that you're really good at if it becomes punitive. Mm-hmm. That's that's true. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people with dyslexia. I think isn't President Bush too? I thought he had said he was dyslexic. Um, I don't know whether he is, but I know that he has relatives who are, and I think his sister is Dorothy, Dory. Okay. I'm not saying it right. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying it right. Uh, like act, just gazillions of actors and actresses, mm-hmm. uh, Kira Knightley, um, Octavia Spencer, Whoopi Goldberg, um, golly, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't bring a list up. That's stuff. Our U.S. Our first U.S. president. I'm looking it up. George Washington was yeah. quite sick. Yeah, he said he had difficulty spelling words. Yeah, and so there are just so there's so many creative avenues for kids. And, and I think that's one of the differences between the education that I had coming up and the education that my children were exposed mm-hmm. to was that there was, when I was growing up, it was okay to play soccer for two seasons and then shift to trying out basketball or shift and try playing softball or swim in the summertime and, and do track in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't, we didn't get caught up in being really exemplary at sports and I'm of a certain age. So, you know, and then somewhere in the intervening years between the time that I grew up and the time I had my own kids, suddenly everybody's kids in soccer academy or they're playing travel baseball or they're doing football and they're traveling all over the southeast or tennis well, I, mean, I hear it or, all the time because i have or volleyball and, <laughs> you know it just it doesn't that kind of hyper focus at such a young age doesn't give kids the chance to explore and dabble in the things that might interest them and so I'm, I'm really, I've been teaching my next door neighbor's son baking because he wants to, he wants to spend time with me mm-hmm. and he wants to learn how to bake. And I happen to love how to love baking. And so that's a shared activity that we can do together. That's awesome. And that's the kind of thing. So when parents are trying to think of what their kids are good at, and if, if, it's something that they themselves are not particularly good at or interested in Mm. find a friend who will help you out because you never know you never know now that's true i don't i don't i mean i've got a tight group of neighbors around here where i live and we're all up in each other's business (laughs) (laughs) But I know people who don't know their neighbors. And I just wonder about that because it's like, oh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I loved my neighbors growing up and, and, you know, yeah. I still, I still go, we're still trucking with neighbors that we've yeah. had since I was a little girl. 
I was just telling you about my neighbor I just ran into exactly. after being with exactly. her for 26 years in my former neighborhood. And that's <laughs> the kind of connective tissue. Like if you are within a faith community, um, you know, seek out someone within your faith community who is a trusted person who, right. with whom your child might have a shared connection. Um, you know, I, I just think that there are opportunities that exist outside of the paradigm of you have to pay for that mm. or you like if I had you know someone who wanted to sit with me, I've got a friend who's my age who will sit with me and work with me on my knitting because my knitting's not so great right <laughs> and, no, and definitely we cannot do everything so everybody needs to definitely right. find, and find I need to, as adults we have our own strengths and I farm out the stuff I don't I can't right. say I am good at as an exactly. entrepreneur. So but, I want to ask you about your best piece of parenting advice you've received over time. Can you tell us one quick thing that you would like to share with our families? Well, I think that being your child's ally is really important. And if there are ways that you can find to be an advocate for your child, um, I think that is such an important thing. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean spending money. I mean, I, know, I knew early on I wasn't going to be able to tutor or work directly with my child because he, he needs me to be there for him in a as different a way mm -hmm. as a parent, as his mom, as his safe place. Um, so I had to seek that outside of the house and it took a while, but, you know, we have finally found that trusted partner who works with him twice a week. And, you know, it, it took a while. We've been through a lot of people and you, you have to trust what your child is saying mm -hmm. if they if they are stressed, if you notice that your child is excessively stressed about something, you need to take a deep dive and look under the surface at that. And um, mm. those are, you know, those are just some of the things I, I just, I'm kind of loath to give advice, but there are just, there are a lot of resources out there who are telling you what you should do, but truly you've got to listen to your gut and see how things work within your own family dynamic because everybody's family is slightly different from another. Right. Some people's families have grandparents who are willing and able to step in at a moment's notice. Other people live far, far away from their relatives and right. don't have that kind of support. So I think at the heart of it, you just have to find the people who are able to help support you in the best way that you need to be supported. And that doesn't mean dumping on people, mm -hmm. but, it mean, but it means that, you know, if you have another parent that you know who has a special needs child, you may be able to sit down and have a chat cry what bitch session with that person <laughs> and 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 be supportive and empathetic because they're so like we are so la like 
life with kids like this can be kind of draining and and more than anything a, a little empathy goes a long way mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard and and i'll give i'll give a quick example there was a young man in the grocery store the, earlier this week and i didn't even see the parents he was a tween so probably 12 13 years old and he was on the spectrum and low verbal, I could tell. Um, and he was just joyfully squealing in the grocery store. And I could tell just because of my knowledge of, of the special education world that he was really excited to be at the grocery store and just mm-hmm. jacked about it. And you could see the looks on the faces of some of the people and you know, they were like, why is this kid squealing? You know, it was just like, I, I am a big advocate of embracing neurodiversity. And I do think that our, those of us who are neurodiverse are, um, the game changers for humanity in many regards. And, you know, it's hard having a hidden disability when it's more obvious people real people realize oh my gosh but when you're talking about dyslexia dysgraphia dyscalculia you're talking about something that you can't see but Mm. it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect people and and how they and how they live in their spaces that's true I mean I know back in the wee days of my life um you know nobody knew about all that so we even when I hear kids screaming let's say in church or something I'm like I just look over as an educator and go, you don't know why they're screaming. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons and it doesn't mean that could be that the child's hungry. I don't know. You know, right. so it could be, you don't know what their disability is. You don't know that child or the family. So I just kind of smile and look, <laughs> but you're right. You can look at everybody and go, they're all looking like who knows what they're thinking. <laughs> So I just wanted to um, wrap up by having you invite people to join y'all on uh, your Facebook page or wherever you are in decoding dyslexia. I know you're on, on Facebook. That's Absolutely. Where I see you so we have we have a not so great Instagram page. I have to be honest. And Instagram, I don't understand a hundred percent, but I'm getting better at it. And um, we do have a very robust Facebook page. Um, and we are also on Twitter under at DG, I can't say it correctly, DDGA13. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is that if you contact us seeking out any of the smaller, more central lo- centrally located groups, there are parent groups that we are familiar with that we can direct you to. Um, and those tend to be closed groups so that you can ask questions and seek out advice and but they tend to cover much smaller geographies and they also serve a purpose that our ddga facebook page i put information out there and people will comment but mm-hmm. we don't operate it as a group because i just i don't have the bandwidth to manage that um, right in and of itself there are too many other things going on oh i'm sure Yep. And they need more help, right? Invite parents to come in and help. So it's decoding yes. um, 
let's see, decodingdyslexiaga.com. Yeah, um, we have a then, website. And then the email is decodingdyslexiagorgia at gmail.com. Yes. Um, so all that will be in the show notes as well. So those of you that are listening just have to go on the show notes and you can find this information. So I don't have to spell that. <laughs> um, but I want to thank you very much, Tina, for coming on and speaking as a leader, state leader and parent. It was very interesting. I learned quite a bit myself. Well, thank you. And let's keep the conversation going. And I hope you're able to join us in February at the Capitol. I just wrote it down on my calendar. Yes, I hope to be there. I hopefully that will be able to happen. <laughs> Not, I'll do it virtually. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, we're trying to come up with a virtual option as well. <laughs> oh, that's right. You could do, I guess you could do hybrid, right? <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us, everybody, on today's show. And we will be back again next week. Take care for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to Smart Parents Successful Students Podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Wherever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to www.dynamuslearningacademy.com backslash podcast backslash. Also, it would warm my heart if you reviewed the podcast on Spotify and shared it with your community. And remember, I believe that every child would benefit from getting extra support outside the classroom, whether they are struggling or are part of an advanced or gifted program, because teachers just can't do it all. Please connect with me about our K-12 tutoring, SAT or ACT prep classes, and writing workshops to help your child excel in school. I can be reached through email at helen at dynamuslearningacademy.com or by phone at 770-282-9931. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.